give an amazing Connect Church welcome to Ryan Johnson, our global partner. Would you come? It's great to be with you guys. Um, first time we came here was eight years ago. Um, I got to make friends back then, so it was great to see Mike Nolan when I, when I came in and uh, see other people that they probably don't realize I remember them, like Stephen Carter who's sitting over there. I met him last time, got a chance to talk with him for a while. So it was great to, to see people who are, are still here and growing here. Um, it's kind of hard for me to kind of encapsulate the last six years of our life uh, in London, England. And uh, so I'm going to let the video kind of show you guys what we've been doing, what's been going on, what God's been doing, and then I'll kind of uh, come back up, all right? When I say London, what comes to your mind? It's so easy to think of all the landmarks and the beautiful places that we see on TV or in films. But the truth is this, when God looks down, he sees people. People who go through their everyday lives, many of whom not even realizing that they have a need for him, but they have a hole that only he can fill. That is why in 2013, our family set out for London, England, because God had put on our heart to come to this international city to plant international churches. In 2015, we were asked to join with the Slade Evangelical Church as part of their leadership team to help with the Spanish ministry and also join in existing ministries at the Slade. It soon became obvious that God was moving in another direction as well. The Slade wanted to make Christ better known, and in 2016, we were asked to be part of a leadership team in planting Abbeywood Community Church. We began in a local community center and worked as a leadership team to start this new work. As God began bringing new people to the church, the door was open to move to a local high school. This allowed us to have a morning service for the first time and made it easier for young families to be able to come. We thank God for this new place that we were able to meet. God has given us such favor and we can see His hand working as we work with the school. We just thank God that now we are able to use the main hall for our Sunday services and our times of praise and worship. God placed a burden on our hearts years ago to plant churches that reached out to all the nationalities that God had brought to London. This is happening at Abbey Word where weekly we have up to 19 different nationalities represented. We praise God for this. Please pray for our ministries, including our women's ministry that meets monthly for Bible study and women's outreach, and for our weekly Moms and Tots group. Many local moms come and this is their first taste of the gospel. We run a monthly family outreach called Families Connect, where we eat together, play games together, and share a story out of the Bible. Our desire is to equip and enable our church families to reach out to others. We desperately want families from our local area to come to know Jesus. We have enjoyed building relationships with our youth. We run weekly meetings with a talk in small groups and monthly soccer nights. It's also great to just have fun. Please pray for our youth as we take them to camp in September. As God has added to our numbers, people are growing in their relationships with the Lord and with each other. It's been amazing to see the changes in people, 
as they go from not knowing anything about him to accepting him and following him in baptism. Thank you for your continued prayers, love, and support for our family and for the people of this great city of London. Now, before I got to the ministry, I was a history teacher for 10 years in Miami, so when I ask a question, I actually need responses, okay? <laughs> Be honest for a second. How many of you guys, when you think missions, you didn't connect it with London immediately? Or it's hard to kind of connect the two because it's easy to think of the other side. That's fine. If, if you weren't, then I'm, I'm, I'm shocked, but I'm also pleased. But here's the thing. So many times we connect socioeconomic needs with missions. But the problem is this. It's the eternal condition of people's hearts that is missions. So it doesn't matter if you're here in Akron or where I grew up in Miami or in London or in Haiti, or in Kenya, the need is all the same. Because every single one of those places has people who have a need to hear about Christ. It's, it's easy to think of London as Big Ben, the London Eye, and all those other things that they make you pay money to see. But like I said in the video, God's looking at the people. Let me give you a, a little bit of understanding of where we live. In London... We're just about to pass 10 million people in our population from the greater London area. Okay? In that greater London area, we have 276 different nationalities, 300 languages spoken in that area. If there was ever a place to reach the world in one place, it's London. I don't need 276 different visas and passports to get into these places. I just have to call it home and reach out to those who God has brought there. It's a wonderful opportunity that we have. The cool thing is we prayed for years that when we were able to, to be a part of a church plant team, to be able to start a team, uh, start a church there in London, that it would be a place where all nations would be represented and welcomed. We've only been, it'll be three years this September that, since we started Abbeywood Community Church. And weekly we have around 19 different nationalities. And that's with 90 people. Just imagine what's going to happen if it keeps growing. It's amazing to see one of my favorite Sundays of the year is we have our international carol service where we ask people to, to do things from their cultural backgrounds, their, their, their language backgrounds. I mean, so we had like, there was one group in the video, they were doing a, a song, uh, they're all from Nigeria, they were doing a song in their native language, and I'm sitting here going, this is the coolest thing ever. I didn't understand a word of it, except Jesus. Because I knew what the word was because my friend told me before I went, he went up there. But it's just great to see how God has brought this preview of heaven together in one place. It's a, it's a great opportunity. Now nationally, about 3% of people go to a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. That's 3% of the entire nation. Now this is a nation that used to send out missionaries all over the world. And now... We were called to go there. And, and let me just explain something. I'm not doing anything special there. I'm doing something that I was doing in Miami, something that you guys do here in Akron. doesn't matter where you are. We're all called to do the same thing. Like Pastor Ed said, we're all called to be missionaries. Sometimes it's to the person next door. Sometimes it's the person across the hall in your house. We're all called to do missions. We're all called to reach out. 
to those who don't know him. We just get to do it in a different place. Um, as, I'm, as I'm sitting here watching the video, I'm, I miss home. Now, mind you, I grew up 32 years in Miami, Florida. But God's given us a heart transplant for the people in the city of London. I miss home. It's, it's weird for me to think that right now all my friends are in their afternoon time and church has already happened. But it's also encouraging that when we come back here, God's given us such a leadership, leadership team and group of people that church keeps going. It's not dependent on me. It's dependent on God. It's cool to see. I want to share a couple things with you about some of the people you saw in the video. Um, if you saw the lady that was getting baptized there at the end of the video, this is one of these stories that you just see God take someone from, from rock hard to on fire for him. And it's the coolest thing. About a year and a half ago, uh, her and her husband came to church. He had grown up in a church and kind of walked away. They received an a, a invitation through their mailbox. We can actually put stuff in the mailboxes there. And uh, so they received an invitation. They came right around Christmas time. And they, they came the first time together, and, and she, you could tell he was kind of searching, and she wanted none of it. Uh, and I happened to be preaching that day, and I said something about being transparent and being open. And she had grown up in the Catholic Church in Poland, and it, there's no transparency, and just you come in, you hear, you give your money, you walk out. Um, and so when I said transparency, she's in the back row, and she goes, with this face, like I was completely insane. Um, but it caught her attention. Now, for the next five, six weeks, she didn't come back. Her husband kept coming, but she didn't come. And then she came back again. But the, the cool thing was their little girl, she started to love her kids' class. If you know anything about kids, if you get the kids, you get the parents. <laughs> and and he went for, her dad went for a mud run on a Saturday, which I don't understand the whole mud run thing, especially in England, because it's always cold when they do these things and so he wasn't feeling really good the next day he had a bit of a cold and he's like no we're not going and their daughter bugged them to death she's like I want to go to kids class I want to go to kids class so they came and they told us you know we weren't going to come today but she wouldn't leave us alone so we came and for the first time as me and my friend Chris who we we, we worked together uh, we're taking the banner off the the front fence of the school and and the lady that got baptized there, Aga, she, she began to talk to us in a way that we had never talked with her before. There was warmness. There was openness. She was smiling at us, and we were going back and forth, and we're sitting there going, wow, something's changed here. In the next few weeks, she expressed a desire to meet up with my friend Chris's wife to do a one-to-one. -one. And as she began to do the one-to-one -one and everything, she came to know Christ as her Savior. And then on June 9th, we were allowed to do our first baptism at the school where we're meeting. God has opened up this door for the school because the first time we tried to talk to the school about meeting there, um, they wouldn't even return our phone calls or our emails. It was like we didn't exist. It went into a black hole. But God worked it out to where the guy who was in charge of their facilities, he started going to Slade Church. And so he became the, the entryway and he vouched for us. So they let us rent it. And now things keep happening. They're like, oh, yeah, you can use that. We're like, okay, but how much more? They're like, no, just go ahead. And we're like, okay, Lord, thank you very much. And so now we have this wonderful hall where we can meet every Sunday. And we have potential to grow up to 300 in that space. And it's so cool to see how God is opening these doors and these, these, these avenues to be able to connect with the school, with the community, and those around. 
and I'm going to say something that you guys probably are used to people saying, you know, we can't do this without you. We're serious. We really can't do this stuff without you guys here. Um, it's always an encouragement when we send out our, our prayer updates and stuff like that and get a response from somebody. Or if I talk to somebody and they bring up something that I've mentioned in, in our prayer updates, because then they're like, I sit there and go, okay, they're actually reading it. That's, that's great. Because then we know we have people praying for us. Um, afterwards, if you want a prayer card, uh, just it's got our faces on it. I don't need these. I know what I look like. Okay? I see it every morning. So if you just want a reminder to pray for not only us, but for the people of London, grab one of those from my wife or one of my boys or me. I'll try to grab from there. But if you want to receive our prayer updates... We, our goal is always to have 3,100 prayer partners because that will give us, on average, at least 100 people praying for us and the people of London every day of the calendar month. So if you'd like to do that, please don't hesitate to sign up at the welcome desk outside. It's got London calling on it. I know there's a lot of you guys that, that already get it, and I thank you guys for, for praying for us. Um, I want to I share something that's a bit of a challenge and a it's one of those things that God had to challenge me before I can talk to anybody else about it. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to open up to Ephesians chapter 2. And it's one of these things that, that I, was, I was speaking to our youth a couple months ago. And it just kind of hit me between the eyes. And it's one of these things that when we truly understand where we are and what our condition is, then we can't help but tell other people about it, okay? And, and if you notice in your Bibles, it, it probably says something like made alive or made alive with Christ or something like that. And this is the key thing that I want to share with you this morning because I want you to remember this. We all came from the same starting point, every single one of us, okay? And the only way that we are made alive is through Christ and through people sharing it with us which is the basis of missions. doesn't matter if you're in London or here. It's the same thing. Sharing with someone else what God has done in your life. So let's look at, at, at uh, Ephesians chapter 2 real quick. It says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. What, what he's saying here is very simple. We, as a condition of our heart, were dead. There was nothing that we were going to do to tip the scales in favor of ourselves. It's one of these things where you sometimes people say, you know, well, I just sin because, uh, you know, but I'm a good person. I make mistakes. How many times do we make the same mistake before we call it what it is? It's sin. You know, it's not just an action or something we do. It's our condition before we come to Christ. We don't sin and that's what makes us bad. We sin because we were bad. I mean, that's, that's where we all start off. And the cool thing is, we all start off in the same place, so no one can claim to be better than someone else because we all have a need for God's intervention, for his redemption, for his forgiveness, for his grace. Now, if you look at verse 4, there's a huge statement here. 
And it says this, it says, but God. So it tells us where our condition is, where we are. But then it says, but God. So two of the most powerful words in the Bible together. Because that means God stepped into the picture. God stepped into your life. God steps in to this condition of death to change it. It says this in verse 4, But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as an example of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. So that but God is a massive change. Because when we allow God to come into our lives and work in our lives and accept the gift that he's done, that he's given us, he can change us up in a way that we could never have imagined. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your nationality. It doesn't matter where in the world you live. The redemption is the same when you come to Christ. And here's the cool thing. If you, if you notice... Um, when you're reading this part of the passage, this isn't past tense stuff. This says that he's done it already. Okay, because if it, it says, he, uh, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him. He's already done all the work. All we have to do is accept that gift. Now, I had a friend of mine a few months ago. Her little daughter um, has been very, very ill for a while. And she needed a heart transplant. She's eight years old. And you, you're sitting there and you're, you're praying for the family and everything is. And I'm, I'm about to preach this sermon for the first time to our, our youth. And, and the whole thing of going from death to life takes on a whole different meaning when you think of it that way. I mean, because when, when, when they found a donor heart for her, she's sitting there. And yeah, they have machines going on. But there's a moment where they stop the machine and they start the new heart. And she goes from death to life in those moments. And that's what happens every time someone comes to Christ and acknowledges him as their savior. They go from death to life. So what's our responsibility then if we've done that? Our responsibility is to speak life. To speak the gospel. Because when you're speaking the gospel, you're speaking words of life to someone. Now, let me ask you guys a question. There's, there's, there's multi-generational here. There's people with various experiences, but I guarantee you, everybody can raise their hand on this one. How many have ever been rejected in one way, shape, or form in their life? Raise your hand. If not, man, you're doing pretty good. But most of us understand the whole rejection thing, right? Whether it's when you go up and you ask that girl for a number, and she's like, nope. <laughs> Thankfully, mine said yes. But it's, it's one of these things where, where so many times we are afraid of being rejected when we share our faith with someone that we forget one thing. They're not rejecting us. How many of you guys realize that when you got rejected, you did not die? I mean, because you're still here, right? 
I don't see anybody with paddles going clear, so you're all alive. So the rejection didn't kill you. So why do we let it stop us from sharing this life that we now know that we have in Christ? It's like we think we're getting rejected. Let me tell you a story about a, a gentleman, 92 years old. His name is John. He's a guy that I met on the main street there when we were just striking up conversations with people. And I said, excuse me, sir, can I, can I ask you a question? He's like, okay. I said, um, who do you think Jesus is? And that man in that moment, he went from a nice-looking older gentleman to livid and angry I mean, veins are popping out of his head because he was so angry that I would dare ask him that question. And as I began to talk with him, some of the pain began to come out. He had just lost his wife, who he had been married to for 64 years, love of his life. And he, he was an atheist. He openly said, you know, I'm an atheist. And so be, the question I'm asking has implications here to his wife as well. And um, as, as we began talking through it, I said, I said, John, let me ask you another question. I said, if I believe that the Bible is 100% true, like I do, and I believe that Christ is what everyone needs, how much would I have to hate you to not tell you? And his whole demeanor changed. His face changed. He began to take a deep breath and he stopped and looking. He goes, man, I guess you would really have to hate me to not tell me. Now, at the end of that conversation, I would love to tell you that John accepted Christ as a savior and now he's a member of the church and everything else. He didn't. But he thanked me for giving him or for stopping him and asking him the question. Now, remember what the first reaction was. Now he thanked me. He, he accepted the track that I had and then he said, you know, I really do hope I run into you again sometime. But I want you to think of it like that. How much would we have to hate someone not to tell them? We kind of act that way when we don't tell people, don't we? Because we're afraid of getting rejected or something like that. And like I said, whether it's London or here, it's the same need. It's the same thing. We just have to use the opportunities that God gives us. Let's look back down to the verses real quick because it's, there, there's, there's something here. In the, uh, verse 8, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things the good things he planned for us long ago. I like the way the NIV puts it too. It says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And this is one of those things when you say good works, people are like, by faith alone. Yeah, I agree. By faith alone is how we're saved. But it says he's created us to do good works things that he planned for us long ago. So that conversation that happens to happen at a Starbucks when you spill your coffee and someone's helping you clean it up. Or when you bump into someone, you say, oh, sorry, and they and begin to have a conversation. Those are opportunities that God sets up for us to take advantage of. 
That doesn't mean every single time you bump into someone, that was the God's ordained thing of going, hey, you know, let me tell you about the gospel. No, but let's face it. We all know that there are times where we had the opportunity that we missed it. There was a time when we were trying to figure out where it was in London that God wanted us to start a church. And I went to this place called Camden. It's got so much diversity. It's crazy. And, and I had an opportunity to do something for somebody, and I didn't. And then when I walked away, God, it's like God was telling me, that was the chance you've been praying for all morning. And I'm sitting there going, shoot. But here's the cool thing. God allows us to be part of his work. God allows us an opportunity to speak life to someone else. You never know what is going to happen in that person's life from there on out. I always love working with the youth. I love the fact that some of you guys are up front. I'm like, yes. Okay? Teenagers are cool because they'll tell you exactly what they're thinking. They don't fake it like the rest of the adults. Okay? I love to see now, 20 years ago when I started working with youth, how now some of my guys are in charge of the youth. <laughs> and I've had one of them tell me, like, I, this one kid, he just, he's doing this, he's doing that, and everything else. I just don't know what to do. And the, basically, he described himself at 16. <laughs> and I just laughed. And I said, Chris, what did I do with you? He's like, hey, oh, my goodness, it is me. And I was like, yep. <laughs> but when we speak life into someone else, they then have the chance to speak life to someone else again. That's, the, that's missions. We're told to go out and make disciples of all nations. If you're not going to the nations, then you reach the ones that are around you. There is diversity here. There is multi-generational here in this area. There are so many opportunities here in this area. Take advantage of those. Speak life. If you have an opportunity to go somewhere else and you feel that God has called you and you speak to your leadership and they, they affirm that and, and they start working on you going out, then you know what? That's another opportunity to speak life. God's not going to call you to go somewhere else if you weren't doing it already here. It's not like all of a sudden you feel called, okay, Lord, I'm going. Now I guess I better start talking to people. No, you do it now, and then God says, okay, now I just want you to do the same thing somewhere else. That is the best thing you can do, is take those opportunities to speak life to people. This passage is literally about speaking and moving people from death to life, not because of us, but because of Christ. We don't deserve anything that Christ gives us. And yet, before we knew we needed a Savior, he submitted himself to God's will, died on the cross, rose again. You want to talk about someone who understands pain and suffering? Jesus did it all. He paid it all like they were singing, and he did it all so that we can have life. I want to ask you guys to do one thing. Ask God for opportunities. If you don't feel like you're prepared, then talk to your leadership so that you can do one-to-ones or something like that to where the, you can feel that you're better equipped. But don't miss these opportunities to be used as a tool in God's hand. Don't miss these opportunities to speak life to someone else. And just see what God can do with, with a, per, a heart that is willing to do whatever he wants you to do. 
I want to thank you guys very much for your, your prayers and support over the years. It's been great for us. Uh, I remember the day that I called Pastor Ed, and I, um, I called him, and he just started laughing. And he said, I've been waiting for this phone call. And I was like, man, my dad ratted me out again. <laughs> They're talking and everything. And, and I just remember sitting there going, that's pretty cool, though. Because now we've been allowed to be a part, partner with you guys for the last six years. And it's, it's been wonderful. Um, please continue to pray. We serve a great God. And I don't say that lightly. What I, the reason I say that is this. People, so many people have come up to us at different times at different churches and said, well, I've heard it's this way, it's this way, and it's this way. Okay. God's bigger than all of it. The same God that you read about in, the, in your Bible is the same God who, who we serve today. If he can split the Red Sea and deliver his people, if he can send his son to be a savior for the world, nothing's changed. He is the same. Some people may say, well, the world has never been this bad. It says there's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> it's just seen in a different way. It's delivered in a different way. All the things that we see negative on the news are the same thing that have always been happening. We just have quicker access to it. God's bigger than all of it. So please, ask God what he can have you doing here. Ask God how you can serve and love and speak life to people. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Lord, that you allow us to be a part of your work no matter where we are. Lord, that you, you ask us, you tell us, you commission us to speak to people about your love, your grace, your mercy, the sacrifice of your son, his death, his burial, his resurrection. It's not a thing where we have to be sad about, oh, you know, yeah, he died and went in the grave because, Lord, he, he rose again. Easter is not the only day we should be celebrating that resurrection, Lord. It's every day. Lord, give us opportunities to speak life. To people give us opportunities to to show the love of christ day in and day out lord if there's someone here today that doesn't know you as their savior and they have questions lord i pray that they would they would go and talk to somebody here lord that you would give them the opportunity to get their questions answered and lord that they would receive life and move from this life of death into life with you we thank you and we praise you in jesus name amen amen would you remain with heads bowed just briefly. Man, we can, we can hear Ryan talk today and go, cool. He's doing something with his life. There are people now going to heaven who might possibly have not found Jesus if Sarah and Ryan had not gone. And, and we can go, Yay, yay God. But if we miss the reality that there's somebody God's going to put in your path who needs Jesus. And so what, what I want to do, I want to pray right now for that person. Would you think of somebody, someone, maybe you haven't met them yet. So as you pray, just say, Lord, show me who that is. But I really believe with all of my heart that God gives us an opportunity to invest our life, to do things that matter. 
There's someone out there waiting right now desperately for you to be the one. The one who shares the good news. And so would you think of that person? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, if you've never been born again, if you don't know for sure that if you were to die, you'd go to heaven, then then I plead with you right now. Make this the moment when you call upon the name of Jesus and ask him to save you. You say, Ed, what do I, what do I got to do? What's that involved? It's faith. Heads are bowed. No one's looking around. Just whisper prayer and say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. Put this in your own words. And say, Jesus, would you save me? I want to follow you. Take charge of my life. Please save me today. That's the, that's, the, that's the most important prayer you'll ever pray. And to those of us who know Jesus, who's out there waiting for you? Would you think of that person? Lord, I pray right now for the people that those in this auditorium are thinking about, feeling drawn to. May you give them boldness and courage and confidence that Jesus, it's not about being rejected, it's about being faithful. It's about telling someone the good news. So Lord, raise us up as a courageous, courageous family who is willing to share your love. Well, thank you, Lord, because we know it's up to you. Anything good that happens, you get the credit. Lord, we just want to be there, be a part of it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand, let's stand together. Let's worship.